This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 53. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hey, hello and welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast. I thought that last week we talked about mindfulness and mindfulness is about the quality of experience. So that means that it's about changing how we perceive each and every moment. Now, today we have something that's also concerned with the quality of experience and that is flow. So what is flow? Flow is defined as the intense experience of being involved in a physical or mental activity which absorbs all of your attention and requires you to use your skills fully. Now, flow, I have to say, is really um, based on the work by Mihaly Chinksem Mihai. We already encountered him in the episode on creativity. So this is his other, even bigger contribution actually to positive psychology. So flow is not about what you do, but how you do it. It's about the quality of experience, as I mentioned before. And although it's not about what you do, there are some activities that are mentioned more often than others when it comes to talking about flow. And examples include creative activities such as writing or painting, playing music. Um, Then it's also doing sports rituals, religious rituals, for example, work, sex, and deep and interesting conversations. Now, what are the characteristics of flow? How do we get down to that? How do we understand flow? Well, number one, there's a clear structure and there are rules or clear goals. So that doesn't mean that these are, you know, set in stone or any of that, but you don't have to stop and think, gee, what do I have to do next? It's really clear what comes next. For example, during a game of squash, you don't have to stand around thinking about what comes next. You just know what's happening based on the rules of the game. And that's similar for pretty much everything which introduces you to flow. Then there's a sense of immediate feedback. So you have a sense of progress and you know whether it's going well or not. And of course, if it's not going well, if there are too many interruptions, it's likely that you're not experiencing flow. So what kind of feedback are we talking about? Let's say, for example, if you're playing a piece of music, you immediately hear whether you played it correctly or not. If you're writing a passage, you know whether the writing is flowing or not, whether you think it's good or not. Then the third characteristic is that the skills and the complexity of the challenge, they have to be in balance. So what does that mean? Well, if the challenge is low and the skill is low, you might experience flow. I didn't try to rhyme this. This just came out this way, by the way. So yeah, so because if you are, even if you, let's say you're starting out, like for example, when I when I started doing hip hop dancing, I mean, I I could barely, you know, master like even the simple most simple choreographies but if i could do them i actually felt like i was in flow because the simple choreography matched my really limited skill however as your skill progresses the same thing which which led to flow maybe two months ago can feel really boring because now your skills are higher but the challenge is still the same so 
if the challenge is high but your skills are low, you will feel anxious and stressed out. If the challenge is high and the skill level is high, that's when you experience flow. Therefore, if the challenge is high and your skills are slightly lower, you can improve the likelihood of experiencing flow by working on those skills. The fourth characteristic is that you kind of merge into your activity. So what does that mean? Well, we often have a lot of meta thoughts, meta thoughts being thoughts about what we are doing right now. So we are often thinking about things like, oh, how is this going? Does this make me look like a moron? Why am I doing this? Could I be doing something better with my time? All these things, all these meta thoughts, they completely disappear once you are in flow. Then another thing that tends to disappear is the sense of time. During flow, we lose track of time. Even several hours can sometimes pass without us noticing it. And when flow ends, we seem to wake up again and become more conscious of time passing. And the final characteristic is that the sense of self melts away. Your thirst, your headaches, everything else that doesn't have anything to do with the activity you're doing, even your feelings. You don't feel positive emotions. You don't feel negative emotions. You don't feel anything. Your consciousness is just completely taken up by the absorption that you feel doing whatever it is that you're doing. And again, if you sense that you're waking up, you might suddenly notice like, gee, I have to go to the bathroom really, really bad. And that's because you were in flow. So there are just a couple of little research findings that I want to let you know, you guys know about. Um, number one, people don't feel good during flow because they lose all sense of self, as I just said. But they feel good afterwards. And people who experience more flow are often people who experience more positive states in general. It's also been shown that people who report to experience flow often they say that they also feel like they experience more meaning and purpose. And it's been shown with athletes that if they train um, mindfulness, they actually increase the likelihood of experiencing flow. So how can you design your life to encourage flow? Well, trying to create flow makes it almost impossible to experience it. So what you might want to do is choose activities which are flow-inducing, like the ones that I talked about in the beginning but once you start you want to completely dedicate yourself to the experience try to do more of the activities which have led you to experience flow in the past so what is it for you so for me there are some simple examples like um, if I'm studying a really interesting chapter if I'm reading some really interesting chapter on positive psychology I completely lose track of everything around me I have no idea how much time has passed that's also true for when I do the podcast. Very often I have no idea. People ask me all the time, like, oh, how long does it take to to record and edit and, you know, upload an episode? And I have to, honest to God, although I've done now 53 of these things, I have no clue because most days I'm just completely in flow when I'm doing this. As of now, I have no idea when I started. I know this is short, so I'm, I'm guessing it's not too long ago, but still I have no idea. And for me, another thing where I experience flow almost every time is during conversations. And um, conversations is one thing if you, if you learn to really listen without trying to 
always think about your own feelings or your own responses and, and you can really deeply be available for the other person and create that space, chances are you will experience more flow. So going back to what you can do to encourage flow, well, you can clearly define goals and stages but not to a degree where it leads to boredom. So, for example, when you start doing something, be really clear about what it is that you're trying to achieve. So if the rules don't exist, like the rules of games, of sports and stuff like that, they already exist, so you don't have to define anything. But if you're doing something by yourself, your work, or for example, or something like that, try to think about what what are you trying to do and what are the stages so you don't ha- you don't get lost in the middle of, Um, doing stuff and have to wonder what's happening it also helps if for example feedback is missing to try to think of ways to follow along with progress um, by either inventing stages or paying attention to something or whatever then you can pay attention to the relationship between complexity and skills and i would argue of all the characteristics this is probably one we can influence the most so if you're often bored chances are you might find flow with more challenging activities. So if work, for example, doesn't allow you to deal with more challenging problems, you might consider doing more complex things in your spare time. And this might sound counterintuitive because maybe your work is boring, but still in the end of the day, you are tired. But actually, this kind of tiredness also has something to do with being lethargic and not being challenged enough. So... If you make sure that in your spare time you have, you know, hobbies or whatever it is, something that challenges you, that really challenges you, then chances are maybe you might not feel as tired anymore as you used to. If you are more often aroused, aroused meaning you're kind of a little bit of excited, but you're not anxious and freaked out, but you're not in flow anyway, that means that your skill level is not quite up to the challenge, but it's not so far away that you freak out, all right? So if you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, but uh, yeah, I'm close to flow, well, in that case, it might help to try to become better at whatever it is that you're trying to do. And by getting better, for example, through, I don't know, um, reading books or going taking a class or something like that, once you get that skill level up a notch, chances are you will fall into flow quite naturally more often. So that's an investment. So once you kind of go into that and then afterwards you are likely to feel flow whenever you do it or at least definitely more often than before. If you're anxious, it might pay off to actually try to reduce the complexity of the activity to see if you can get out of the tasks, if you um, can break the task down into more manageable bits or ask people for help. And finally, what has been shown, as I mentioned with the athletes, mindfulness and meditation encourage the ability to calm down meta thoughts and to lose the self, but in a good way, not in a bad way. Now, little little cautionary no- note towards the end. Um, if you're the kind of person who says, oh yeah, I experience flow all the time when I go gambling and play video games. Now, I don't want to judge gambling or playing video games. I'm sure there are some people who who do it responsibly and they have fun and they're challenged and it doesn't wreck their life. But if it's something, and that's the problem with flow, if 
something, and it doesn't have to be video games or gambling, takes up your time and it crowds out other things that you want to do or you need to do and you can kind of get addicted to the flow state. So that's the turn side of it. So then you might want to do all the stuff that I just said in reverse to make it even less interesting to engage in this activity. But I'm not hoping that that's you. I'm hoping that you got some ideas in this pretty short episode to just go over the activities that you actually do already and think about how you can either make them a little bit more challenging or bring your skills up a notch um, or define them more clearly or whatever it is that you want to do and then see how flow feels because flow is awesome. It's It's a beautiful feeling and as I said, they found that people feel more meaning and purpose in their life and I think that's something that a lot of people are missing nowadays lots of things are perceived as superficial so if you manage to do that um, good for you so I hope you learned something about flow today and I wish you a great week and talk to you soon bye-bye if you enjoyed this episode you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher we would love to hear from you at Kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>